In today's show, we're looking at some of the NBA trade deadline rumors that have come out. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. So today we're doing something different. Normally in this slot we do a buy low trade show. Um, maybe we push that to tomorrow. We, in fact, we probably do push it to tomorrow. But And this is something that might seem a little bit weird given my thoughts on these situations, but I know that people want to hear this. And what we're doing is looking at NBA trade deadline rumors, trade deadline primers, things that may happen. Now, I have been on record as saying so many rumors that you hear, especially when you hear specifics of a deal, don't come true because they've been discussed, they've been rejected, and they don't happen. And the vast majority of trade rumors do not happen, right? I've said that for years and years and years. But when we get closer to a trade deadline, two days away, more validity starts to come into these names, and especially when they're coming from Woj, from Shams, from Chris Haynes, from Mark Stein, from those guys, then we have a little bit more validity to them. It's not necessarily that these things are going to happen, but that they are you know, a higher likelihood than when we hear that a trade is going down two months ago from a, a, some sort of unsourced Bleacher Report article. You know, I, uh, Nick Vucevic is going to the Celtics. Uh, Jeremy Grant wants to go to the Celtics. All those sort of things. Like You just completely move on from those. Now, the other thing is, People want to hear this show. I know that. Um, I'm pre-warning you now. I think you're going to be. I think you're going to have some disappointment with this show, and you'll you'll see why. Because when I'm talking about these things that are happening, I don't know, and there are multiple outcomes for every scenario here. So it's very very hard to offer concrete sort of advice on this stuff, and that is why generally I tend to not get too heavily invested into this. But we're going to do it. Let me know what you think. One other thing: the trade deadline. We are what. What day is it? We're three days away from the trade deadline. Nearly every year, there's a decent-sized trade that goes down about 48 hours before the deadline. So look for that in the next 24 hours. I'll do a show if it's something decent. Um, so look out for that. But secondly, you've got waiver acquisitions, or, or if people get confused with terminology, you, most leagues, you can only add a certain amount of players for the week. Don't burn them all now, because once the trade deadline goes down, probably some opportunities will open up. Now, in all likelihood, the vast majority of those opportunities that open up will turn out to be nothing, which happens every trade deadline, but there will be some waiver wire, maybe one to two guys who you can add off a waiver wire after the trade deadline who can be really impactful players. So make sure you've got the ability to do that. Know who the worst player is on your team. Know who you can drop in an instant to take a flyer on someone whose role might be dramatically increased. It might not work out, but you've got to take those flyers and be able to prioritize them. That's a good time to plug that I will be doing a live trade deadline show. Now, the trade deadline is 3 p.m. Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Thursday, 12 p.m. Pacific, which is, unfortunately, 6 a.m. Melbourne time. So I will be going live at 2 p.m. Eastern. And for those of you that can do the maths on that, that's 5 a.m. Eastern Australian time. So this voice will be croaky. I'll be, I'll probably be drinking coffee out of your American-sized barrels. I'll probably be doing that, but we'll be going 5 a.m. Uh, my time, sorry, 2 p.m. Thursday, 
uh, before the trade deadline for one hour. We'll go through probably till 15 minutes after the trade deadline. And then later on in the day, once I've gone through and adjusted all of the basketball monster projections, we'll have a trade deadline wrap-up show. So that'll be what is happening on Thursday in the NBA. Holy shit, that was a long intro. Let's talk about players who have been rumored to be dealt. And let's start with the big fella, Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. According to Jared Weiss and Sam Amick, those guys, especially Amick, not no shade on Jared Weiss, but those guys are plugged in and they do have uh, rumors there and it makes, uh, or they have sources there and it does make sense that Gordon would uh, perhaps be amenable to a trade. Um, I don't know who Aaron Gordon thinks he is, that he can you know, have decisions on where or where he wants to go. Allegedly, according to Chris Haynes, there was a deal where he was going to Houston with two first-round picks coming back, um, but he didn't want to go to a team on the rebuild. Like, Aaron, you're not that good. Like, I know you've been stuck on a rebuilding team your whole life, and I know that that's why you want to get out. But part of the reason that team isn't good and the part of the reason that team is rebuilding is because of you. So you're not you're, you're not the player that should be just demanding where they can go. But hey, if he, if he has that ability, if Orlando can get that return, then by all means. Now, in terms of Aaron Gordon's fantasy value, it's much better in a points league versus what it is in a category league. He has been a guy that yeah, we've talked about ad nauseum on this show. Matt Smith brought it up at the preseason that he's had one top 100 season in his career in category leagues, and that's just not on. He's been able to bring in extra stuff to his game this year in terms of assists, but he is still, what, the 140th ranked player because he can't hit free throws, his field goal percentage is poor, he doesn't get steals, his blocks aren't great, he's not hitting threes, he's not scoring very well. Um, even the last three games where he's averaging 22, 5, and 5, He's still the 110th ranked player because he's getting to the line so much and not hitting them and he's not getting any steals or blocks. And that really re- reduces his value. So I think the thing with Gordon, if he is so anti going to a rebuilding team, that means that he could go to a good team. Portland, perhaps, is the name that's been thrown out there a lot. Dallas, perhaps. And his role and that 24 or actually over the last, since he returned from injury, 28% usage probably won't stick at that level. Um, will he have the ball in his hands? Well, if he goes to Dallas, absolutely not. If he goes to uh, Portland, absolutely not. So is stashing Aaron Gordon yeah, in hopes of a trade a good idea? I'd say in all likelihood, no. If he goes to Minnesota, then he instantly becomes their best power forward. But getting shots with Towns and Edwards and Beasley and Russell and ball handling opportunities with those guys is pretty tough as well. Like, what team is he going to that's getting traded? Like, Houston, awesome. Like, I'd love his value if he went to Houston, but apparently that deal's dead and that's not going through. If he moves on, now again, I can say this. Well, if Aaron Gordon moves and someone steps into his spot, then unless somebody else who plays a similar position comes back and is able to jump into that position, which again is, is one of the concerns or one of the issues that you do tend to have in doing these sort of shows is that it's uh, it's impossible to be able to to be able to predict you know who is moved where and which players come back and all that sort of stuff and that's why it's good to do it in the moment. So yeah, you know, in, in saying all that, Aaron Gordon, when you look at the totality of everything, um, him going to a better spot than he's in in Orlando, it feels really low the percentage chance of that. Now, if we assume that nobody comes back to to take his place. And this is a guy I had as a flyer the other day, and I'm going way too long here on Aaron Gordon. Jumra Kiki. Now, he's not the greatest option, but a triple one threat. Surely, they wouldn't just play 40 minutes of El Furu Kaminu. Kiki's the guy to watch and start to develop. And I wouldn't say he'd be an automatic 12-team ad, but he'd be a nice 14 to 16-team league guy. 
Let's talk Kyle Lowry now, and it appears that there is a chance that he's traded. I, I'm still not convinced that he does get go, but it looks like Philadelphia and Miami are the two teams. Um, wherever he goes, I believe uh, his value does decrease a little bit because he won't play the 38 minutes a night. Most likely he was playing in uh, Toronto. He goes to Philadelphia. There's Simmons. Uh, or maybe initially in Philadelphia, he has okay value, but then Embiid and Harrison Simmons, yeah, he's going to have to reduce some usage and probably some assist opportunities in Miami. Butler and Adebayo, those guys have the ball a lot. He's, actually, his value in Miami maybe wouldn't be too bad. It'd be pretty similar. But what the big question is, is what happens in Toronto? What, what I would imagine is, and this is assuming that another bloke who's on this list, we'll talk later on, doesn't get traded, um, that I would assume that they would just stick Fred Van Vliet at point guard, and then we'd go Powell, Ananobi, Siakam, and then you know, Baines would go back to center. Uh, another center they bring in a trade would start at center. Boucher might start at center. They wouldn't go with that small lineup. It wouldn't just be, well, Malachi Flynn is starting now, even though Flynn is in the rotation. But he is a guy to watch, Malachi Flynn, because he's in the rotation. He's playing 15 minutes a night. I think he's really good. I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be a starting NBA player in the free, in the future. I don't think it'll be this year. But if a Lowry trade happens, he could play 25 minutes a night. But the thing is, if he goes to Miami, maybe that's Tyler Hero that comes back. Maybe it's Duncan Robinson. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's Kendrick Nunn. And that would put a squash on Flint. If he goes to Philadelphia, does Tyrese Maxey come back? Isaiah Joe? Yeah, Maxie's obviously Shake Milton. Maxie's obviously the big threat there. And then it would be really tough. Who do I like more, Maxie or Flynn? Um, and and that's that's the concern there. While it looks like, hey, there's a clear path for Flynn to get 25 minutes there, um, very in all likelihood, you get other guards back. Hero, Robinson, Nunn, Maxie, Milton, Joe. One of those guys could come back and really put the kibosh on that. So Flynn is a deeper league sort of stash. But I, I wouldn't. I think it's probably a 5% chance. But I wouldn't be surprised if he has a two to three week stretch of twelve team value, Malachi Flynn. Uh, but that's that's uh, that's a big one. Uh, and by big, I mean absolutely small. Uh, Andre Drummond, the big uh, avocado. I have no idea. Now, I mainly put Andre Drummond in here because I tweet this all the time, and many of you ask, Josh, please elaborate. Josh, please explain. What do you mean when you say buyouts, kids? Ears, close, mute, don't let your dads hear. Buyouts fucking suck. Like, they are the worst. That is, it is the worst thing in the NBL, but why isn't it fair? i tell you why it's shit, because what it does is it nukes the trade market. Andre Drummond, man, he's going to get bought out. So why would anybody give anything to the Cavs when the assumption is they're just going to buy him out? Why would it happen? Like, the Pistons had to eat so much money for Blake Griffin because they, just, well, they weren't playing him. What what are, what are we doing with buyouts? And do, do buy, buyouts are a way for good teams to not have to mortgage any of their future, to give up any of their young players, to give up any of their draft picks in order for them to get better. What do the Nets have to give up to give up, get Blake Griffin or Blake Griffin's wash? That's cool. Get three second round picks out of them. Get Landry Shamit. Get f- Nick Claxton. Kids, this whole rant might be uh, NSFW, so just be careful. Like, just do something. And that is why the buyout market is horrendous. But what if both teams agree? Stiff shit. If both teams agree, you waive him and you have to eat the full amount of that, that contract. And then you'll think twice about it. Uh, in the end, like players who have made hundreds of millions of dollars, they have to give back $5 million. In the end, they're probably not going to care and they get to do whatever they want in that scenario. And I am very much pro player, but this is bullshit. This is pro team. This is pro the best teams in the league. So that teams like the Cavs, who acquired Andre Drummond for nothing last year, haven't traded him, 
And then if no one, and so the same is probably going to happen with LaMarcus Aldridge. No one's going to come and offer anything for him because they're going to be like, well, they're probably just going to waive him anyway. They're going to buy him out. They're going to, um, and, and if you want to waive someone at full cost, then that is totally your prerogative. But the fact that this ability exists for teams to save money on these moves means that nobody is going to trade for these players. Nobody's trading for Griffin. Nobody's trading for Drummond. Nobody's going to trade for a JaVale McGee, for example. So the Cavs could lose McGee and Drummond because no one trades them because they just expect them to be bought out. And even if it's pick 40, that could turn into Joe Harris. That could turn into Draymond Green. That could turn into any number of good second-round players. It could even turn into a bad second-round player like Dylan Brooks. That is why buyouts suck. It benefits the top end of the NBA. And in general, buyout players aren't amazing. But Andre Drummond can come in and be a rotation player. Blake Griffin's already come in and be a rotation player. Mark F. Morris came in last year and was a rotation player and started games. And they got them for free. And these teams should have to make some sacrifice. The Nets should have to say, we will give you, I don't even know if they've got a first round pick left to trade. The Lakers want Andre Drummond. They should have to give up Taylor Horton Tucker. You want to get an upgrade, give something up rather than literally nothing. And the player signs on for minimum salary at two months after they've just pocketed $26 million sitting on their ass, picking scabs off their ball sack. Like that, that is a bullshit system. And it needs to go. And people ask me, and this is a long rant. This podcast might go for a while. Um, you know, what's the alternative? The system that literally currently exists. If you want to waive a player, you waive them and you take the hit of their salary. Unless they're a non-guaranteed contract, you take the hit of their salary. And the player goes through the waiver process and it goes from there. That's, that's the alternative. What if both the player and the team agree he doesn't want to be there? Then waive him and you take on the 60 plus million dollars of Blake Griffin, the whatever remaining of Andre Drummond, then, then you take that and you don't save money from it. That is, that is a bullshit scenario. Anyway, as for Andre Drummond, if he is flying around your waiver wire, look, you add him and you see where it goes. Is he a good player? Um, how do you judge good? Is he a player that has absolutely no idea what his role is offensively? Is he a player whose defensive reputation is 100 times better than what he actually is? Then yes, is the answer to both those. Can he be a good player? Yes. Is he an unbelievably good rebounder, probably the best in the league? Yes. But giving him the ball on offense and letting him do post-ups and isos is one of the worst coaching decisions or one of the worst individual player decisions you will ever see. Defensively, he is, oh man, we just need a big body to throw on Embiid. Have you watched Andre Drummond play against Joel Embiid? Have you watched Andre Drummond play against Nikola Jokic? He plays against those blokes and they go, holy shit, guys, it is on. Give it to me. I am going for 60. This is how bad he is, but the reputation is, oh, he's a big body, guys. He's a big body. Put PJ Tucker there. That is a better player. Put bloody James Harden on Joel Embiid. It's a better defensive option than Andre Drummond in those scenarios. I'm telling you now. And offensively, don't worry about it. And I know I'm hating on Andre Drummond. He is literally one of the best rebounders in the NBA. He's got some of the best hands in terms of steals in the NBA. And that is valuable. And he's a, quite a good passer. But decision-making and defense is horrendous. And he, but in saying all that, again, he can go onto a team and he can help them out. And we know he's an absolute fantasy beast when he gets those minutes. So, of course, he's a guy that we stash. I don't know where he's going. It probably won't happen on trade deadline day because he'll get bought out and he'll go... To the Lakers, but he's worse than Marcus Gasol. And you might think that's ridiculous, but he's worse than Marcus Gasol. He is worse than Montrez Harrell, and I'm not a big Montrez Harrell fan. Is he a better defender than Harrell? Probably. Is he a better offensive player? Not even close. 
Does he go to Brooklyn? Is he better than... Well, that's actually... Is he better than DeAndre Jordan? Obviously. Is he better than Jeff Green? Probably. Better than Blake Griffin? Yes. Nick Claxton? Probably, but maybe not. Yeah, there is a role there in, in Brooklyn for him. I'm getting fired up. Anyway, Andre Drummond is a name that could get moved. <laughs> Victor Oladipo. Um, playing better of late. It does appear that the chances of him getting traded are dwindling. The Rockets' asking price is allegedly too high for Oladipo. I'm not saying that this means that you need to go and drop Kevin Porter, but if Wall doesn't get surgery and Oladipo doesn't get moved, I would say there is 0% chance of Kevin Porter being given the keys to the offense and saying, John, Vic, take a seat, and we'll let the bloke who was arrested and yeah, threw soup in a locker room uh, run things while you guys just uh, you know sniff each other's dicks. Uh, that That's not going to happen. So that would be a real downer for Kevin Porter's value. But, of course, we don't know any of this. But it looks like the chances of Oladipo getting traded are dwindling. Now, whatever team Victor Oladipo goes to, it's almost definitely going to be a worse situation for him. Because he'll probably go to a better team and his role will be smaller. And he'll be asked to rein it all the way in. Maybe that improves his defensive numbers. Now, in Houston, if he moves on, who's the obvious beneficiary? Well, it's Porter. So there's no real big winner there. Could it be Sterling Brown? In a deeper format, could it be Mason Jones, a guy that I'm telling you, just to keep an eye on for deeper leagues, Mason Jones. There's a lot to happen there in Houston, though. Lonzo Ball. I like Lonzo Ball. I think he's quite a good NBA player. I think that the Pelicans have got such an depth of guards that while they would be, in terms of their current basketball and their future basketball, you know, keep keeping him and trading Eric Bledsoe is a lot better for, for the Pelicans. But in terms of what you get in a return, way more for Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball going to Chicago, taking over from Thomas Sadoransky, like massive. It's such a huge upgrade for Chicago. I don't think Lonzo's value changes too much. The Hawks apparently interested in Lonzo Ball. Not really sure about that one. But there are opportunities for Lonzo to go and maintain his value, if not increase his value. I think he's really good. And then what that means, and this is one where I do think there is real value in stashing Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Lonzo could get traded. Reddick could get traded. Um, Bledsoe could get traded. Now, Alexander Walker's getting 20 minutes a night with Redick out, so we've already got the baseline value there. One other guy goes out, like Lonzo on the weekend, he plays 30 minutes a night, and he's a must-roster player. So he is a really strong stash. But of course, yeah, he goes to Chicago. Does Thomas Sadoransky come back? Does Kobe White come back? Probably not, but maybe. And then that complicates that scenario. But I think Alexander Walker is an interesting guy to take a look at. Let's go through some other ones. A couple of Kings blokes here. Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley have been mentioned in articles by Shams and by Chris Haynes. Bagley, honestly, who gives a shit? Like he, he's not good. He's out for six weeks. There's no, uh, there's no winner if he's traded in Sacramento because he's not playing anyway. He's not a guy to add if he goes somewhere else because it's not just the Kings. The reason he's bad it's because he is bad. Rashawn Holmes is the interesting one though because he is excellent at the moment. Now there are situations he could go where he could maintain that excellence. Charlotte would be one. Toronto would be one to maybe get ninety percent of his value. The good thing about it, if he went to Toronto, I could see Nurse playing him thirty six minutes a night. Now, his usage might drop, but he's not a usage guy. He's a field goal percentage, blocks, good free throws, good rebound sort of player. Uh, that would be really interesting. I think that Holmes, almost you know, where the logical spots where he would go, would keep his value pretty solid. Now, if he does move on from Sacramento, and they don't make any other moves or bring any other, other centers... The world. Now, for everything that I said about Andre Drummond, Hassan Whites is actually worse at all those things. But like Andre Drummond, undeniably, when he plays big minutes, he will put up fantasy stats. There is absolutely zero denying that. 
And if Holmes is moved and Whiteside isn't, and he becomes their starting center, then that's a clear, clear, 100% must roster top 30 player. So hold on to him. We're three days to go. Let Add him if you want. Like if he's on the wave wire, you add him. Yeah, holding on to him for four months of the season so far has been an absolute loser move. I thought the Kings, again, I'll say this again, at the start, before the draft, fantasy drafts, I thought, hey, maybe the Kings will play him like 20 minutes a night, 22 minutes a night. Let's draft him at pick 90, 100. Because if he gets 22 minutes, he'll be able to get that value back. The Kings were smart. They didn't do that. So you drop him in after about three days. But there are people who have held on for four months. And if it does pan out and he's a top 30 guy, I don't necessarily think that's a win for you. It could be a big playoff changer for you. But you know, I think the, the decision-making process there is completely wrong. Regardless, now's a good time. John Collins, it doesn't look like he's going to get traded. He's playing well anyway at the moment. It, it doesn't look like he would move. But I brought his name up because his name is constantly brought up. I think that the majority of teams that will be going after, going after John Collins tend to be worse teams than the Hawks. And I think that would help his value. So I think he's obviously a guy that we hold. Um, and then let's just see where it goes. LaMarcus Aldridge, a name I just have to bring up. I talked about him already. I do not think that he has any 12-team juice left at all. There's been no movement on any deal for him. He could get bought out. But realistically, again, what team is giving LaMarcus Aldridge 33 minutes a night? The answer to that should be absolutely none of them. Therefore, you don't want him on a 12-team roster. And then lastly, Norman Powell. Upcoming free agent has been shooting the absolute lights out. Some talk that the Raptors might tear it down, especially if a Lowry trade goes through. Powell could be next. I do think, again, that if Powell moves somewhere else, his value probably declines. Would he play as many minutes? And would he fit as well in the system as he does in Toronto? Probably not. And because he lacks the ability to get assists and to get rebounds, um, and so much is predicated on the shot selection and the shot quality, I do worry a little bit about his value if he does happen to get moved. Right, that show went on way longer than I thought. So there's 10 names who are brought up in articles by Woj and Shams and Chris Haynes who could be moved and just a bit of a chat about them. And of course, a, a rant about buyouts in the middle. Don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, leave a comment. Tell me how wrong I am on all of these things. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.